welcome to another episode of State of the Nation. We've got our 10 predictions for 2023. David prepared this list. I'm just along for the ride. And um, just to give you some insights into kind of the, the world of live streaming, we just barely got this live stream up, David, right? Mm -hmm. You had a software update and uh, it kind of wrecked your live stream setup, but down to the wire, we made it here for you guys. Yeah, just, just a few minutes late, but yeah, made a, made a software update to OBS, <laughs> absolutely broke everything, uh, and then fixed it right at the last minute. Yet here we are, the stream must go on. And there's a lot of things to talk about for 2023, and that is what we are going to be covering today on the episode. We've got 10 subjects, 10 things we want to cover, the big categories that you all know and love, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Alt-Layer 1s, uh, Layer 2s. Uh, prices, NFTs, regulation. We got 10 categories, a couple ones I haven't mentioned yet, that we just want to give our predictions for what they look like moving forward into 2023. Um, some of them will have more clear predictions than others, but I think we can look forward at the year ahead, pull back some lessons that, we, that Ryan and I experienced going through the 2018 to 2020 bear market, uh, and apply them to the current state of crypto as it stands today. So we're going to go and run through all of these major categories of crypto just to see what lies ahead for us in 2023. This is going to be raw thoughts, guys. It's going to come at you quick, so I hope you're ready. Before we get in, got to talk about our friends and sponsors over at Ryan, we have so much to cover in this episode. We're going to start with Bitcoin. And I actually had to ask my Bitcoin friends uh, about what is ahead in the world of Bitcoin, because I don't necessarily feel like I am equipped to answer that question. Uh, and so I've pulled in some extra help to talk about Bitcoin. But then we're going to go into the broader subjects uh, that the Bankless Nation knows and loves. Alt-Layer 1s, Ethereum, Layer 2s, etc. So all of that and more is coming up right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Uh, David, we've got the 10 predictions for 2023. I'm going to read out all of the categories we're going to cover really quick, and then we'll hit them one by one. Number one, we're going to talk Bitcoin. Number two, Ethereum, then prices. Number four, alt-layer ones, layer twos, of course, then NFTs, DAOs, CFI, that is centralized exchanges. Number nine, the CFTC and the SEC standoff. And number 10, some of our thematic predictions for 2023. Editor's choice, Ryan's and David's thematic predictions. I'm gonna have to think of mine before we get to the <laughs> end here, I think, David. Uh, and we are long for the ride, sir. Why don't you kick us mm -hmm. off with, we gotta start with old granddaddy Bitcoin, who started mm -hmm. this whole crypto movement. Hats off to you, Bitcoin. Without you, we wouldn't be here. What are the predictions for Bitcoin in 2023? What's in store for us, David? And uh, we're looking right now at a Bitcoin halvening clock. I'm gonna read this out. 441 days, 22 hours, 51 minutes, and 50, 50 seconds till the next Bitcoin halvening. What does this mean? Well, okay, so, uh people will notice that that is more than one year away, 441 days. But uh, if we pay attention to the last time a, a, a Bitcoin happening happened, uh, there is this chant that gets chanted and it starts to start slowly and then it starts to bubble up and then it just becomes dominant throughout like crypto Twitter or at least Bitcoin Twitter at the time, which is the happening is not priced in. And so my big prediction is in around Q3, Q4, of 2023 of this year, uh, we are going to start to hear the halvening is not priced in. The halvening is not priced in uh, because the 2024 halvening date is scheduled around March. It's probably going to creep up uh, earlier than March because that's kind of what halvenings do. They tend to accelerate. Uh, people think it's every four years, but it's actually quicker than four years because the hash rate for Bitcoin is up only. Uh, but I think that is something to expect towards the end of this year is you are start going to start to hear the words 
the happening is not priced in. You remember this time in, in uh, four years ago, Ryan, when, when that was just dominant? I do, and I'm curious. Okay, so how many happenings uh, have you been here for? You remember the 2021, and that mm-hmm. was certainly dominant. That was the chat mm-hmm. leading, a chant leading up to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember the 2016 one? That I was, was July. I was not no. here. I was not here for the 20 the 2016 happening. I was part way here. I wasn't all the way here, but I was part way here. This was uh, kind of early days of Ethereum. Um, and then prior to that, David, it goes dark for me. Uh, I guess the the one prior to that must have been in uh, 2020, 2012 mm-hmm. uh, or something at that point in time. Um, but for folks that aren't familiar, this is when the supply issuance of Bitcoin gets cut in half. Right. Hence the happening. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, David, as you've been saying, that has been very bullish right. Bitcoin price, at least the narrative of Bitcoin mm-hmm. price. Because what is Bitcoin celebrated for? What is it known for? What is the one use case and thing that it does? It has 21 million 21 Bitcoin. That's million it. 21 million units, yes. <laughs> right. And that there will only ever be 21 million. And so that that is at least the promise of uh, the Bitcoin network. And that's what's coded in the algorithm. Of course, that mm-hmm. is all uh, at the end of the day. Bankless would say socially enforced at some level. Um, but we are approaching less and less issuance uh, per year. It gets cut in half every four years. Now, in 2020... It felt like a lonely thing to say, but I know some of this were saying. Some of us were saying, "Okay, uh, Bitcoin community, the happening is coming up. We're excited about that uh, algorithmic uh, supply issuance. Yay! Not central ba- bank back. That's great. Take the humans out of the money. That's wonderful. But also keep in mind, Bitcoin community, that when you have in your issuance, you also have in your security budget, mm-hmm. and the security budget happens to be a very important thing for your blockchain because." That is how a blockchain actually defends itself and provides settlement assurances. Security budget comes from primarily issuance in Bitcoin. It's like 95% to 99% issuance, and a small fraction is transaction fees. That is how you pay the military to provide the defense service around Bitcoin. The military for Bitcoin, the analogy being miners, proof of work miners. So while you're excited about getting closer to 21 million and cutting off your issuance and less supply available in the market. Now I start to wonder if the 2024 happening, uh, the community starts to wake up and realize, ooh, um, our security budget is going down a lot and can we really afford this? Do you think that'll be a new conversation and a new dynamic that we didn't see in the last decade? It's going to be interesting because that is where you mean the last happening. That is where we saw some of these hardcore Bitcoiners uh, start to consider that angle. Uh, Hazu being one of the one of the big ones that was previously a very hardcore Bitcoiner that started to come around to the idea of a security budget happening. I do not think that this happening is the last ha- is the happening that triggers a weakness in Bitcoin security. I think we you have still a n- see FOMO. I still, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I still think like there's Bitcoin's lack of security is a number of happenings away. Uh, and so I think that, the, I mean, just to play it forward, how it happened last time, Bitcoiners start tra- chanting the happenings not priced in. Ethereum people are like, your guys' security budget's cut in half. <laughs> I think it's fundamentally bullish either way for the same reason that we are bullish on the supply of Ether and ultrasound money. It's the same reason to be bullish about Bitcoin. But I don't want to hang on the happening too much because, again, like this is actually in 2024. Uh, and so not happening this year is just like you're going to start to see this rumbling. Uh, and so I asked my, uh, my Bitcoiner friend, CK, uh, my, my po- podcast co-host before you, Ryan, uh, what to watch out for in the world. Your, your of Your ex. My ex-podcast co-host. <laughs> yeah. And what to watch out for, for in Bitcoin in 2023. And his answers were Bitcoin mining and this thing called Noster. 
and we'll, t we'll take those one by one. But I think the things to watch out for, for Bitcoin on when it uh, comes to Bitcoin mining is the consolidation of Bitcoin miners into uh, in, into either more central, uh, central uh, large entities or into newer entities that are also energy production, energy, energy producers. And so if you look around, actually, I was doing a little bit of research before the show. If you look around, uh, a lot of energy producers across various countries are also becoming Bitcoin miners. And now that could actually, if you believe the, uh, the Bitcoin proof of work thesis, lead to integration of Bitcoin into the real world power supply the, and the decentralized power grid and actually lead to the decentralization of Bitcoin mining, uh, if, if that is the trend. Uh, the other trend it could be is that a lot of these weaknesses in the current mining ecosystem, a lot of bankruptcies for the Bitcoin, uh, the big, big Bitcoin miners lead to further consolidation, centralization. That is something to watch out for. That is a, a theme to watch out for. The other thing to watch out for is Noster, which uh, is something that, that Eric Wall is predicting uh, just does not gain any traction. But this is the social media for the Bitcoin world, for Bitcoiners, uh, social media by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners. Uh, this is something I'm not very familiar with, but this is gaining a ton of attention in the Bitcoin world. And it is basically an implementation of sort of decentralized social media, but using Bitcoin as the settlement layer for data. Uh, and so this is something that is gaining steam in the Bitcoin world. Really? Yeah. I, I wonder how this works. So they're yeah. actually... Uh, it, it, how are they doing that without Bitcoin being kind of an expressive base layer? In the way I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, this is, it's got a bunch of apps and uh, this is something to probably to explore if you are, uh, look, chess, oh, like uh, settlement assurances with chess as in like I make my piece and I'm, I don't know why you want to put that data on the blockchain, but this is something that is being pioneered out of the Bitcoin world. It's really interesting that mining is a thing that um, hardcore Bitcoiners are really excited about. Um, to me, that's just not an area of interest uh, for me, like personally. Yeah. And I just like, what I see is a lot of, uh, you know, the consolidate. Do, do you see, um, as someone tweeted out, um, I think this was Evan Van Ness, that um, just 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 uh, before the end of the year, last year, over 50% of for the, for the last week of blocks or something, of all Bitcoin blocks have been produced by one of two um, centralized miners, mining so pools or mining, mining, pools. mining pools. Yeah. Mining pools. So this kind of centralization is, um, I'm not, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess there's this, this utopia where all of the major energy companies, right. Um, mm -hmm. around the world become producers of, of, uh, Bitcoin miners, but, um, we're not really seeing that all we're seeing is kind of the, the shake out of the bear market and just more consolidation. In, I don't. I miners. don't know. I don't know if I'm seeing that. Um, I think, and that is something, and the kind of the why I'm putting that as a conversation in this agenda is to that is something to pay attention to in 2023, is where the diffusion of mining power lies. At the end of there's just some bankruptcies that needs to happen. Asics are going to get distributed. Um, but I will say that mining pools, I would say, are not a pretty weak form of centralization. Uh, in the same way that like. Uh, I can take my, I can either run my Ethereum staking node through Rocket Pool if I choose to, or run it solo. Like mining pools don't have ownership over the ASIC units. And so that's actually a weaker form of centralization. I get that distinction. Uh, overall, what's your take on, on Bitcoin? So there's some excitement for the mm -hmm. halvening. Uh, are you, you know, bullish uh, Bitcoin in, tw in 2023? Well, I had to ask my friend about what the 2023 has in store for Bitcoin because it's like, it's Bitcoin. It not on your radar? It's, yeah. Well, it's not on my radar, but also it's like, there's no roadmap. That's the point. And so there's 
designed to be not much on the on the roadmap for Bitcoin. That's part actually a feature that the Bitcoiners enjoy about Bitcoin. I do think it's down too much and uh, is due to go up uh, maybe yes. in 2023. Yes. So yes. we'll talk about that a little bit. What, what do we got next? We've got Ethereum, I think we're, we're talking about. So uh, what's what's the prediction for Ethereum? Ethereum, yeah. And I got this fantastic uh, thread out of Proto Lambda and I've lost the particular tweet, but uh, it's about how many how hard forks will Ethereum see this year? And Proto Lambda uh, says we may see three Ethereum hard forks this year. Uh, I checked this uh, take with Tim Bako, and he was like, mm, probably just two. Uh, and so, again, rough consensus out of the Ethereum land. Uh, but the two, two is a lot. Two is a lot. Two is a lot. And what are those two hard forks? Uh, Shanghai and Cancun are the next two hard forks. Uh, these are the execution layer hard forks. Shanghai, of course, might as well be called the withdrawals hard fork. That is slated for probably March of this year, pessimistically April. Uh, and then uh, Cancun would be EIP 4844 or Proto Dank Sharding, uh, also partly named after Proto Lambda here, who's uh, got this tweet. Uh, but that is what is in store with Ethereum hard forks this year. Prob probably, almost certainly, two hard forks uh, Shanghai to enable withdrawals in March, April of 2023, and then Cancun later in the year to enable 4844. Uh, and those are going to be the three, the two major Ethereum protocol upgrades uh, for this year. I hear people are talking about Cancun in Q3 as a possibility. Mm. And if EIP 4844 gets shipped in Q3, that would be hugely bullish. It would be and very accelerated, yeah. Can you remind people what uh, 4844 is? Oh, so mm -hmm. you said it's um, you know proto-dank sharding. But what is the net effect mm -hmm. of this for the uh, Ethereum ecosystem and for crypto? Yeah, certainly. It gives rollups a first-class status on Ethereum. So it really is changing the way Ethereum architecture is to really enable layer twos to take off the brakes and be unconstrained. And because uh, what do rollups do? They pay post data down to the Ethereum layer one. 4844 gives a little uh, sandbox of data on the beacon chain for rollups to post data to and to really allow uh, rollups to uh, uh, use the beacon chain for data availability, which allows them to pr like have orders of magnitude increase in speed and uh, cheaper transaction fees. Don't you think then Cancun is like the alt layer one killer? Yeah. Like well, that's always guess, been the case, yeah. I guess what I'm just saying is, right, like we expect another bull market to come mm -hmm. and ETH mainnet gas fees to increase. But now, instead of the transaction volume going to alternative layer ones, mm -hmm. it is so cheap mm -hmm. for that transaction volume. It's almost like close to zero cost right. uh, for that transaction volume to go to uh, layer twos. And they will be much more mature by the next bull cycle uh, comes around. This is... Um, if I was an alternative layer one, I'd be a little bit worried about 4844 yeah. and uh, Cancun. And I'd be looking at my strategy and maybe thinking about how I might become a roll-up and uh, get my security from Ethereum because it's way cheaper. Certainly, certainly. Moving on in Proto's... Uh, Proto's uh... Uh, predictions. He, of course, predicts that 48404 prototype sharding will ship on Ethereum mainnet. So we've covered this. Uh, but he also says the line between chains will start to blur due to eigenlayer, suave, and large uh, layer one stakers offering offering different sequencing as a service solutions. Uh, and so this is also this is a, a pretty like 401 Ethereum level take. Uh, and but eigenlayer is something that more and more people are clamoring about. Uh, a really quick TLDR on what Eigenlayer is. It's generalized security for other computational resources 
uh, using staked Ether. So if you are staking your Ether, you can sign up for additional slashing assumptions, slashing conditions to secure something else, such as an Oracle. And so you say you're a solo staker with 32 Ether, You've, you're already signed up for the slashing conditions of uh, validating incorrect blocks, uh, but you can sign up for an additional slashing uh, assumption for something else as in an Oracle layer or a data availability layer. And this is something Eigenlayer has uh, captured a bunch of nerds' attentions, and people are talking about this more and more and more. So one of my predictions for 2023 is Eigenlayer starts to be talked about even more, probably throughout all of the, the, the entire year as we kind of reason about what this thing can do. Do you know a date for Eigenlayer when that, uh, when that ships? And when that ships in mainnet? No, I do not. No, I do yeah. not. So this is not a, an Ethereum protocol. This is not like part of the all core devs call. This won't be an EIP. This is a startup that is working on this problem that is separate from any sort of core development from Ethereum. Yeah, it's just leveraging the economic security of ETH, the asset, to economically secure more things. More That's things, yeah. hugely bullish for ETH, the asset, in my opinion. It's also just, man, it adds another dimension to the whole game here and the economics mm -hmm. behind it. And I'm both... Um, excited and and simultaneously a little terrified yeah. of uh the downstream effects of this but yeah. um that's super cool mm -hmm. uh and i mean if we're gonna if i'm gonna put on my eth maxi hat again i would be even like uh, anytime any reason you need to have a specialized chain that's not ethereum any other alt layer one eigenlayer kind of is like well i can turn that into a commodity and i can just use eth staking uh, this is, remember that take on the weekly roll-up that we gave a while ago? Uh, I can't remember who, uh, I think Jimmy uh, Jimmy Rasua or something. He said, Eigenlayer will enable halal alt-layer ones for ETH yeah, maxis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I get that. And I, what I'm kind of worried about is just the stacking risks that we don't realize yeah. that get hidden in some ETH that you, you know, stake somewhere. And uh, I'm worried about some big slashing events for people who don't anticipate the risk. They're looking mm -hmm. at, like, what, what this means is there'll be all sorts of ways to earn yield on your ETH yeah. besides just staking. Mm -hmm. And hey, do you want this, you know, 5% for going over here and using the, yeah, I'll take that sign up for right. 5%, uh -huh. sounds great. But you don't realize in the background that there's also the stacking risk associated with that. And something bad happens, David, mm -hmm. as you know, it will give it enough time and then boom, have you, have you ever uh, you, like played a, a like Skyrim and like loaded up 20, 30 mods and they all start to like conflict with each other? That feels not like Skyrim, that, but yeah, that, that like feels that. like what Eigenlayer could do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what else we got here? All right, moving for, last in our uh, predictions of in the Ethereum ecosystem. I think I just want to raise the question, Ryan. What do you think about the supply of Ether? throughout 2023 so, so freaking good isn't it look at this man do, well do you think it'll be deflationary or not deflationary because if you look at the chart right here like i don't really know by the way we were at 3,000 ether earlier just a few hours ago and we burned oh a God. bunch in the last like you little know, bit. Here, okay. but like what so, what is this what is this chart telling you is that first gonna... of all let me just say this let me just say this this is kind of a vanity guess right of yeah. whether you say it's inflationary deflationary I'll, first i'll say who the f cares Click that button there. Simulate PO, POW. Look at look at what it would have been had we had proof of work. One point okay, four million ether issued in yes. the last one hundred and seventeen days. If we were on proof of work, versus how much is it? Unsimulated. Uh, Two thousand nine hundred. See, who cares? Over a million less ETH issued. 
Oh, right? oh a million four hundred. Don't forget that extra four hundred. Uh, yeah, one point four million. One point four million was <laughs> of ETH that would have been issued was not issued. That is the bottom line here. Whether this thing is vanity metric, inflationary, or deflationary doesn't even matter. But I'll, that I'll is one point eight uh... billion dollars that we have not <laughs> issued. It's so bullish. It's so stupid bullish. I don't even know. Like this is okay. Here's another thing. I feel like is going back to the happening. Is like, man, uh, ultrasound.money totally takes the happenings thunder, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, like, I find it really yeah. hard to get excited about a happening when I have, when ultrasoundmoney.money exists. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, I'll, t I'll take the kind of the vanity metric. I still kind of bet that we end the year deflationary, is mm -hmm. my call. I think yeah. block space demand increases. Uh, even post EIP 4844, I think we're still deflationary in the, on the year if I had to call it. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And that's because uh, I tweeted this out that. Uh, ether it's easier to burn ether than it is to issue it as in when when there's demand for ethereum uh it burn we burn ether way faster than we issue ether if there's yeah. a cap on how fast we can issue ether there is absolutely no cap on how fast we can burn ether and so just because there's a cap uh, growth is constrained and contraction of supply is unconstrained i think it's rational to say that we will burn ether We'll be deflationary as in 2023. And this is also what Proto Lambert says. So he agrees with us that huh. uh, we'll be net deflationary in the second half of 2023. Good. He's smart. He, yeah. he knows what he's talking about. That's great. Mm -hmm. All right. This is number two Bitcoin, ETH. Number three is prices. We're going to do some price predictions, David. Price predictions. Price predictions. I and I don't, I don't really want to make specific price, price predictions because you and wow. I are not necessarily on our skill set, nor is it anyone's really skill set. No one really knows. Yeah. But I do think we should take our time and reflect on what prices did during 2018 to 2020. Uh, okay. And so we've got our, our price service provider Kraken up on the screen here. Uh, and if we zoom all the way back out, uh, let's see if I can drag. No, I cannot drag. I might have to go to trading view. Uh, but do you remember the Bitcoin price action between 2018 and 2020? Because it threw everyone for a tizzy. Tw Bitcoin uh, pricing action between 20, wait, what'd you say? 2018 and 2020. 2018 and 2020. Uh, I I mean I remember a successive um, down. There was there's basically yeah yeah. This, zoom in on this. This is this is exactly what I remember. Some chop, and you saw at kind of the bottom. This is mm -hmm. in 2018. This happened I don't know three times it looks like from the yeah. charts something like this. Is we had a big massive leg down, and like whew, you catch your breath and you're like oh my god. I'm glad that's over. Right. And then we rise up. There's some hope. We get some green candles for a couple of weeks, maybe a month, uh, maybe two goes by. And then boom, you get hit with the next leg. Is mm -hmm. that what you're talking about? A little bit. Yeah. So at the top of uh, the 2018 market, uh, Bitcoin is $20,000. And then it went down 83%, uh, which I mean, it was about roughly where we are now. We're not down. Bitcoin's not down that much. But then it, it, from the bottom, it goes up. Three, it goes up 3x. It goes from 3000 to like $14,000 and in the middle of uh, 2019. And then what does it do after that? It goes down another 70%. Yeah. And so like me saying Bitcoin went from three to 14 down to $4,000. Like think about that in today's terms. Like it's, it's something like, where is it now? Like 15,000 back up to $40,000, back down to, to, to $18,000. Yeah. yeah. And, and Ether did the same exact thing, right? So except more, except, yeah, except worse. Right. And so here, here is the top of the 2017 market down 94%. Jeez. Uh, and so then it bottoms out at around like $80 and then it goes up to $380. So people who bought those at that $80 ETH, 
made like a three and a half X inside of a year. And then what does it do after that? It goes down 75 more percent again, right? And then, and then that's when DeFi summer started. So like, we don't really have any specific predictions. I'm gonna go ahead and say for you, I don't think you have a specific price prediction, Ryan, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say people should be cognizant of how fast these markets can whip around or how much they can whip around inside of a year. So from a timeline perspective, we're kind of mid uh, 2018 or so as far as like length of the bear market, yeah. aren't we? Well, I would say like it's that. almost lining up pretty perfectly because the top of the 2018 bull market was like January of 2017 to, to January, excuse me, it's December. a few months off, I guess. Yeah, yeah. it's a few months off. So like if we want to, I just closed the tab, but if we want to that, like. Uh, that's a rough analogy though, right? Mm -hmm. So 2022 is like 2018. Yeah. So then 2023 should be... I think we're like right... Like here's Ether price. I think we are like right here in 2018 terms. So I think what you're saying is, I think you're trying to draw lessons from the the previous runs and you're saying, hey, expect run-ups mm -hmm. and then then major dips, major crashes. Yeah. To kind of test your conviction. Um, this will probably happen in 2023 and partially into 2024. Are, are you just... But like, is it a fallacy to think that every um, every bear market plays out the same way? What I remember going through the last bear market and everyone was like, oh, next cycle, next cycle, next cycle. And I was like, everyone's saying like the next cycle. Like, doesn't that mean if everyone's saying it, it's not going to come? And then it totally came. Uh, yeah. And so I think that you just assume that it's going to play out exactly how like people expect it to with another cycle. Uh, and then really, I, I, I mean, to I say totally is, is like, I think what people should watch out for is like Bitcoin might have a run up to $40,000. Ether might have a run up to $3,000. People are going to get really bullish. People say the bear market or the bull market's on and the bull market's not going to be on. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to throw, it's going to buck people off uh, and people yep. are, are going to try and trade it and they're going to on net lose money as they try and trade that thing. So this is, don't do this that. is why I was never a full believer in the super cycle, David. It's just, I, I'm still a believer. And I think this is proven out. Like if you, if you kind of zoom out, right, mm. is crypto is just plays out markets play out in fractals. Mm. So this is the next kind of fractal. We're just at higher numbers on the highs and higher numbers on the low, but it's, it's just going to play out. And that's kind of repeated every cycle. And now the cycles might lengthen. They might, you know, there might be kind of different timelines involved. I'm fully anticipating, and I think the base guess is probably the right guess, which is just playing for another fractal. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen in, uh, you know, the way it has in similar bear markets. Now people always interject, but like, what about macro? Macro is completely different. Uh, I don't know if you have a take on that, but I guess um, my take is I don't actually think macro is going to affect um, the crypto cycles in mm -hmm. the way people think think it will. I think just the fracta, fractal will play out how it's how it's going to play out. Maybe it could be kind of elongated or dampened or something like that by macro, but I just think we're kind of, it's all in the charts. It's already destined. It's already pre-planned that it's going to play out this way. I think that's right. I think macro, like if the Fed had this immaculate pivot, uh, it would nudge crypto prices in a particular direction, as in like the Fed's like, all right, we're going to ease up on interest rates. Easy money again. Yeah. yeah. I think I think that'll be bullish. I think that'll be a plus 20% day, a plus 50% day. I don't think it will create a bull market. Crypto needs Same. to create a bull market under its own steam. And that takes time, that takes building, that takes innovation. And so, sure, we could be like nudged by macro in particular directions, um, but crypto is going to come out of this bear market under its own steam, not just because something else happened to us. So we think that's Bitcoin. Uh, Ether is the same thing. Now, you have a take where you think ETH is going to lead 
Bitcoin. Always. And I guess maybe that's a play on the kind of the ratio too. Is that what you're showing? Yeah. Bitcoin ratio. Um, and I know uh, you have said previously that ETH has led the last um, bull markets. Um, I think I know what you mean by that, mm. which is like ETH use cases, if not the asset price, but ETH use cases certainly have led the previous uh, bull markets. And do you think that will remain true or do you think it's a kind of a true in a different way? in the for the next bull cycle what do you think happens to eth yeah i think ether the price of ether has not led bull markets i think it's gone perhaps it's followed bitcoin perhaps it's gone in tandem with bitcoin but every time there's a bull market it's because of something on the ethereum app layer that's always that's been true as long as ethereum's been in, in, in existence icos first icos in 2017 DeFi summer in 2020 well B bitcoin and ether did absolutely nothing while we had this amazing bull market in in the DeFi space which ran into a bull market in nfts and then ether and bitcoin rocketed and so there was a bull market on the ethereum app layer for a full year before bitcoin and ether prices reacted I expect that to play out again. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. Do you have any uh, predictions on the ETH Bitcoin ratio? Uh, I think it is going to do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> go up. Uh oh, yeah, it's going to go up. Uh, I am not a charter. Uh, I don't. I don't have a crystal ball, but I am positioned to benefit from an increased ratio in ETH BTC, which is why the current uh, price action is exciting to me. And remind me, where's the flipping? Where are we now and where's the flipping? So what, right now we're at um, 0 0.076. 76, yes, 0.77. And then the flipping is about here. We need to get uh, here. At point, about 0 0.14, so it needs yeah. to double. ETH price just needs to double. So if ETH price hits, uh, what, 3,000 or something, uh, while Bitcoin stays stagnant at mm -hmm. this price, then we flipping. Yep. Is that right? Yeah, we need to hit 0.159. We need, if Bitcoin stays exactly the same price, we need Ether to be $2,700 and we will flip Bitcoin. That doesn't seem that far away. Doesn't seem that far. Oh. Uh, I, I'm still not calling it for 2023, but mm -hmm. it feels like uh, it approaches. It approaches. Um, all right, alt layer ones. That's the next category, David. What are the predictions for alternative layer ones alt layer ones and so i've got coin gecko pulled up with uh, smart contracting platforms uh we got bnb cardano solana polka dot tron avalanche uh and then i think that's all of them there's some other ones as well uh but i think i just want to get your broad take ryan on the landscape of what it's like to be an alt layer one right now uh like where where do you think the alt layer one ecosystem is in its current form well um i think it's um it had a narrative run up on the use case, on the on the idea and on the entire narrative that ETH gas fees, ETH transaction fees were too damn high. Mm -hmm. And that was the value proposition of of kind of ETH killers. Um, very few of them, if any, developed their own independent set of tools. Uh, many of them were EVM based. And so they kind of just glommed on to the existing Ethereum tools. Um, I think Solana is maybe somewhat of an exception. They have a, a different uh, developer community. Um, they have some unique tools like like Phantom. So there's some life there. Cosmos also a little bit different. Um, Cardano really hasn't done anything. It's just been a lot of talk. There's like yeah. nothing really, not much you can do on Cardano at this point. Uh, so I think the you know, back to EIP four eight four four being sort of the alternative layer one killer is if you if you lose the value proposition of being a cheaper version of ethereum what then do you have right uh and i think um 
I think they're in a precarious position, though I do think many of them will uh, come through this um, perhaps a little bit stronger. I Many of them? I, I, not many of them, some of them, a few of them. Um, I think one or two will yeah, come through I mean, them. It's like if you're talking about Cosmos as a, an entire ecosystem, yes. right? There are many different app chains and count that as one. That might be one. Mm -hmm. um, I think Solana might pull through this. Uh, nothing's really happened with Dot, David. Like, Dude, what's it I doing? know, man. So like, okay, so we have uh, BNB. And so you, you say like, what what is the place of the alt layer one in the face of EIP 4844? I think that's, I think that's definitely something to consider. But also, like, what's the place of an alt layer one when Binance Smart Chain exists at the same time? I know, which it's is squeezing. a gargantuan uh, mm -hmm. of a of a chain. And I think it's 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 you can't really call a BNB chain an alt layer one. It's right. something else. But if you're going to compromise on on decentralization and security you may as well, you may maybe. just use Binance Smart Chain. Yeah, I mean, I I know it's this place in the middle. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the idea that the middle right. cannot hold, and right. uh, that's what some of these these um, mm -hmm. uh, chains are doing and trying to do. So. I'm not bullish on them. Um, so but... looking at some market caps, Binance Smart Chain's coming in at $45 billion. Cardano's yes. coming in at $11 billion. Solana's at six, Polkadot's at six, Tron is at five. Can Avalanche... you show that? Can you scroll to the right a little oh, bit? Can show I? That? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, well, okay. Tron is at $5 billion, Avalanche at 3.8, Cosmos at 3.2. And I actually don't really, and there's actually, uh, Ryan, uh, you've been saying Cosmos while we were talking about all layer ones. Uh, they, uh, CoinGecko, doesn't actually put uh, Cosmos in the smart contract platform category. No, I get it. It doesn't have uh, smart contracts on Cosmos, the app chain. Ah, uh, you, you have to go why? to like Osmosis. Yeah, yeah. Or well, something like that. I, I, I Cosmos at three point two billion dollars, where Binance Smart Chain is at forty five, Cardano's at eleven, and Solana's at six, makes me really bullish on Cosmos. It's different though, Dave. So it, here's why, it's which, which is why I'm bullish. Because it's no, 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 different. But, oh, but here's why it's different, in my opinion, is just because um, uh, you can you can be bullish on the Cosmos ecosystem without necessarily being bullish on Atoms, the asset yes. of Cosmos. Yes, Those I am are two totally different things. I am bullish you on Cosmos, the ecosystem. You just it's if people get that confused, then they'll run into a bad time. I That's think investing point. in Cosmos, which point. is it's very different than investing in even Binance, which if the Binance ecosystem grows or the BNB ecosystem grows, then it, value should occur to BNB because that is the kind of the unit of account. It is the is the ether right. of uh, BNB chain. But Cosmos is just, um, I mean, that, that should scale with the amount of app chains that are using the Cosmos hub. And they don't even have to use the Cosmos hub, David. Right. They yeah. can use their own mesh security. They don't, they don't have to use Cosmos at all. And so it's kind of an apple, I think it's an apples to oranges uh, sort of comparison. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair take. Uh, we will see. I do not think there's a lot of uh, alt layer ones out there. Like again, Cardano, Solana, Polkadot, Tron, Avalanche, Cosmos, Binance, Smart Chain. How many can actually make it through this bear market? I think if you have a cult leader, you're much better situated. <laughs> that's why like, it's, it's ironically, so it's like um, <laughs> Cardano is not going to die. ADA is not going to die. Because it has a few of the cult leaders. You know, use cases. Yeah. Um, I hate that the, that's but, probably right. Isn't it? I, like, don't you think? I'm like, actually, relative to some of these others, I'm, I'm bullish on that. Um, on uh, <laughs> ADA, right? Just because of um, the cult of Charles. Yeah. And look we said it before we said this all the time in the last bear market is if you have any doubts about which like chain or if you're if you're questioning if you're wondering which chain you should invest in 
try to use stuff on the chain. Right. Like, yeah. like, does it work? Can you do DeFi things? Can you do cool things on it? Is it a step change from right. um, something that you might find in an established ecosystem like Ethereum? If it is, that's bullish. Like, so many people watch the YouTube and they don't actually do the work to, to right. run the software and to actually use the applications. It's as simple as that. Until there's applications on some of these chains that I can actively use, I'm just not bullish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Activity, good... yeah. Yeah. How do you, I don't know how to measure Cardano block space demand, and that's probably an indication. All right, should we move on to layer twos? Yeah, let's do it. All right, layer twos. Of course, layer two beats. Uh, right now, I declare that layer twos are in a bull market of activity. Ah. And one of the few areas of growth that's happened in the last year, which was a terrible year, was layer twos. Uh, Ryan, the, uh, the best asset to hold last year was, if you didn't know, this token called GMX, which is an application on uh, Arbitrum. And here, <laughs> here's, the, uh, here's the price chart for GMX. Look at that. Wait, this was how does it go? It's going it up. It went up. In, it went up in 2022. Uh, that is the one of like three tokens that went up in 2022. Three DeFi tokens, <laughs> three, right? No, three tokens. That's it. Oh my God. That's it. <laughs> Besides stablecoin, stable stay flat. Hopefully. Stablecoin, stay flat. Yeah. So that was on Arbitrum. Arbitrum, the Arbitrum ecosystem is just running circles around almost everyone else. Arbitrum's got 2.3 trillion or trillion billion in total locked value. Like this, this was a 2022 bear market and total TVL on Arbitrum stayed about the same. Yeah. I love the Arbitrum Optimism rivalry because I think they both Red make each blue. other. Yeah, they they make each other better. And yes. I just love that they're both there and they're both like fully like I honest, can honestly say I support them both. And, you know, uh, look great, at this. Look at this. Here is uh, a half a ma million dollars on optimism in January of a 2020, year a year ago. And now we are at 1.27 billion. We had, we had growth in layer twos in well, hit, last year. Hit activity. Can we hit activity on some of these? Sure. Does that, <sighs> that story? This that is transactions, so right? Good. Transactions, yeah. Total locked value, which is a, a, a metric, an important metric, not the only metric, but it's kind of a vanity metric. And then mm -hmm. you have activity. Activity is, is transactions. And uh, like transactions are just like up a whole mm -hmm. bunch. If you go to the top, go to the top here of L2B and hit activity on the right and see aggregate activity. Mm-hmm. And I love that line there. That line in blue, I think, is Ethereum mainnet activity, isn't it? Correct, yes. And we're above, we're now, we've been consistently above since October-ish, mm -hmm. uh, Ethereum mainnet activity on layer twos. That has been a flipping in the Ethereum ecosystem. Yeah, and we're the scaling factor, 2.48. That's the highest I've ever seen it. Uh, scaling factor is how many times uh, layer twos on Ethereum are transacting one Ethereum's worth of uh, transactions on the aggregate layer two. So there are 2.48 times the amount of transactions of the Ethereum layer one happening on layer twos. My prediction, Ryan, I put this in the uh, newsletter, is that this number hits five. And I think that's a pretty safe prediction for 2022. Three, I think 2023. I think it's conservative. Well, what, what, but what happens if, um, I guess these are used transactions, right? It's not total capacity, is it? Mm. Correct. It's not total the, yes. available capacity. So capacity is way, capacity yeah, might already. be like 10 or something. The, yeah. the scaling capacity, we actually don't really know the upper bounds to layer twos. Uh, the scaling capacity could be like a 10x. You know and when is, we hit a 4844, it's going to be something like a 100x. So we've been bullish layer twos relative to alt layer ones for a long time. Mm -hmm. And for most, of, for a good portion of 2021 and for a good portion of 2022, that has been the wrong 
bet. In 2021, that was the wrong bet for that one year. Yes. And then into like the first part, the first three months of 2022 was kind of the wrong bet. Mm -hmm. But again, bankless thesis operates on longer term horizons, right? In crypto, you, you either invest in the trade level that is like kind of daily to weekly sort of thing, or you invest in the narrative level. The timeline there is like every you know few weeks or months, or you invest in thesis and fundamentals. Your timeline there could be years. I think that we've been right on that call. I think so. It was, just, it was the time frame that was uh, at odds with people. Right. We we're stuck in kind of people are stuck in a narrative timeline that lasted months rather than the thesis timeline, which is uh, like years, years plus. And yeah. That's why you know I've, people say this, investors say this all the time, but a lot of arguments on crypto Twitter are just time frame arguments. Time frame arguments. Yeah. Semantics. Yeah. People arguing past each other because the time frame is wrong, and we've consistently say bullish layer twos relative to alternative layer ones, um, and that was uh, you could be laughed at for saying that in 2021, couldn't you? Right. Well, now now it is the inverse. So I've got the optimism chart up on the screen. Uh, and this uh, optimism, the OP token launched in June. Uh, so we have seven months of data. But like, do you see the bear market in that chart? Like, no, like you don't you don't really see the FTX contagion. You don't really see uh, Theros Capital getting liquidated. Like this does not look like a bear market chart. And optimism just dropped their token with a five point five billion dollar valuation fully diluted. Uh, Arbitrum hasn't even drop their token yet and so that it's still got that in the hopper uh and like all these other la like layer two tokens are doing really really well so what's the prediction bullish layer twos i'm 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 uh, the bull market will continue to be hosted <laughs> by layer twos as it has been for the past like six plus months these ecosystems are very 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 much alive yes the most time. alive thing in crypto in my I, opinion 100 percent, 100 percent. i'm trying to click these things but oh that's because what else do I have here? Uh, oh, Starknet also doesn't have its token released. Right. And so like, there's still a bunch of hype and attention. And finding attention in bear markets is really hard. And we have Arbitrum and we have Starknet. Uh, and these communities are extremely strong. There's not even a token out there for them yet. ZK Sync as well. ZK Sync as well. Yep. ZK EVMs, mm -hmm. uh, Scroll, making a significant progress, working mm -hmm. on a testnet right now. And um, so here's a, a, one of a Eric Wall's predictions is that Ethereum layer two TVL reaches above $10 billion. Uh, where are we right now? We are at five, four or five. No, less than that. I'm pretty sure. Three. Yeah, 4.5, 4. 4. 5, $4.5 billion. So he's uh, uh, expecting a little bit more than a doubling of TVL. Conservative. Oof. Conservative? Oof. Yeah, I call, for, I call for 25. Uh, 25 billion. is extremely bullish. Yeah, and it, that may bleed into next year. Let me just yeah. say that. But yeah. um, definitely yeah, by the it's... end of 2024, I would say that 25 is 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 good. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. Bankless Nation. We got some other conversations that we're going to talk about. I've got some opinions as to where NFTs are going in huh. 2023. Uh, Ryan's going to have to ask me. But we also have to talk about what is the state of CFI in 2023 because uh you know for better or for worse cfi is a fundamental part of how crypto is going to be uh and then also we got to talk about regulation because a lot of things are going to be happening in 2023 as it relates to this it's sec and the cftc there are some specific cases that we're going to call attention to that are cases to watch and then, and then ryan uh I, ha I had uh dows in the original agenda but i actually replaced that with bankless so what's coming for bankless in 2023 because we've got some plans uh and then what ryan and david are bullish on so all of this and more right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make this episode possible
back with our 10 predictions, went through the first five. Number six, we got to talk about NFTs, David. All right. Uh, I am the student. You are the teacher. Tell me about NFTs. What's going to happen in this crazy world of overpriced JPEGs? It's just JPEGs. <laughs> What are NFTs to begin with and uh, where are they going in 2023? Yeah, I think this is something that we can draw a lesson out of the 2018 to 2020 bear. Uh, we had 20, we had ICOs uh, that just totally decimated the brand of crypto. Um, sadly, this bear market, we have two things tainting the brand of crypto, one of them being FTX and other one, the, one of them being NFTs. If you go into yeah. like any like normal internet forum, non-crypto forum, and you say the word like NFT, you just get bullied. Like you, you this plague, please leave. We don't want to talk about your stupid. It's NFTs. always a, a three letter acronym. That's the problem. ICO, <laughs> FTX, SBF, SBF <laughs> NFT, RSA. Yeah, we should. <laughs> uh, okay. So, but what, what did we see? What lesson did we learn from 2018 to 2020? Like ICOs, they really just turned into governance tokens. They, they evolved. They got better. Uh, all uh. of the fraudsters and the scammers and the short termists left this space and then what were we left with? Uh, capital allocation and tokens. And that turned into DAOs, that turned into governance tokens, that turned into airdrops, that turned into yield farming, which started good, ended bad. Um, I think NFTs will have a similar arc. And actually, I think NFTs in their current form are in a much better spot than ICOs ever were. Board Ape, Yacht Club, Mutant Apes, uh, Cool Cats, Pudgy Penguins, Azukis. Uh, These are like real efforts by real teams to produce real things. And so all of the short-term NFTs got just pushed out already. And now there's a flight to quality projects. And so uh, this is what I see. I th see NFT uh, teams are going to really fight for their market cap. They're going to fight for you know, raising the value of their NFT. That's kind of the purpose of these whole teams to begin with. And they're going to do that through raw innovation and refinement as to whatever their product is. So you think that in the same way ICOs were a complete laughing stock, uh, NFTs are a complete laughing stock now, but what we saw is a transformation of some ICO tokens. Let's say a lot of all the sketchy teams and the scams, they just died. Yeah. Those projects dried up and died. They left, they're, they're, gone. they're gone. But the ones that remained like the, um, well, Uniswap didn't have a token, but I'm thinking of like project like Synthetics or uh, Link, Rocket uh, for Pool. examples. Uh, rocket pool mm -hmm. these these projects remained mm -hmm. and they transformed their token into utility types of of tokens at least the utility is some governance yep. participation with the potential promise of future cash flows right mm -hmm. and that was a big pivot from a time we said all uh tokens are worthless to hey some of these are actually worthwhile you think the same thing could happen with nfts and this would imply that nfts add some sort of utility is that yeah. the resurrection of NFTs, that they become more than just the JPEG? There's something else to it? I, th I think that's right. And, and this has been the trend that I've noticed in the crypto space. First, we created Bitcoin. It was this static, collectible, no utility asset. Uh, and then after every single asset that's gotten adopted by the crypto space after that has had some form of productivity, some form of utility. What can you do with Ether? You can stake it. What can you do with Ether? You can put it in DeFi. You can use it as gas to pay for stuff. So you, Ether has a lot more utility than Bitcoin. Bitcoin has this blessing of like getting to be this like static inert collectible asset. Same thing with uh, NFTs. We created CryptoPunks. CryptoPunks have this blessing of being able to be this inert collectible. Every single other NFT, Bored Apes, Azukis, uh, Penguins, 
unlock some sort of access for their holders, some sort of privilege. Uh, famously, you know, like nightclub parties in New York, if you're a bored ape, that's kind of the brand uh, or yacht, yacht parties or whatever. But like each one is going to provide utility and reasons for its community to hold them and buy them and own them. And so my claim for 2023 with the world of NFTs is that NFTs are the closest prediction of cl closest prototypes to Balaji's network state thesis that we have. And so I think we start to look like these NFT like communities start to look like some sort of prototype network state idea in the metaverse. Yeah. Uh, just what, what's the link to Balaji's network state idea? These are just communities that believe in something, have a shared set of values mm -hmm. and are passionate and are on the trajectory towards um, building out a universe. So Blasi's network state is really about uh, getting people with like like-minded people together and then physically instantiate in the world somewhere. I don't really think that we're going that far, but one of his big um, metaphors for the, his network state was like with Google or Facebook. If you worked at Facebook, you could be, uh, you would have access to any Facebook campus all over the world and you would have this little badge. You could like get into the Facebook building, no matter where that Facebook building was, if it was a Europe corporate privilege, corporate, exactly. And so he said that this is starting to look like a network state. I think that's going to be largely similar with NFTs. Not necessarily in the real world, but also not not that. Like there are Cool Cats meetup. I've been to a Cool Cat meetup in LA. Board, the Bored Apes have parties all the time. Uh, but then there's also going to be similar vibes inside of virtual lands. Like the Bored Apes are building out other deeds. And the Bored Apes aren't. Other uh, Yuga Labs is. Uh, They're building out virtual places for their token holders to be able to experience. And I think that is starting to feel, look and feel like Balaji's network state idea. I think that hits on the current uh, survive, like the the current um, cohort of NFT projects that we have. Mm -hmm. um, but I also wonder about a new cohort of NFT projects that are kind of built um, during this market. So mm. we're talking about NFTs and some existing communities, but we haven't yet touched like gaming NFTs. Are they going to be a thing this year? Um, what are artists going to do? Right. Uh, like sound NFTs, music NFTs, that sort of thing. Right. Uh, we're not even talking about that here. And right. I think that's a, a bunch of uh, latent potential. Here we are looking at uh, a Nansen, which um, NFT folks tell me is uh, this is a, an index of NFT projects where you can kind of track price over time. If you go to the top here, David, what are we looking at? Um, charts. This is across different sectors. Blue chip is the orange line here. Mm -hmm. And so I guess maybe I'm asking from a, a price perspective. Um, to be honest, it's not down that much. I think this is all priced in ETH terms. This is the price in ETH, yeah. This is price in ETH, which is honestly, in my opinion, the right denominator yeah. for any sort of metaverse item like an NFT. Is you want this to appreciate relative to ETH? It's kind of the uh, unit of account here. And um, I guess I'm wondering, from your perspective, uh, do you think the indices as a whole, like art or uh, blue chip, the top 10 NFT projects or metaverse or gaming or social, will they appreciate relative to ETH? Do you think that's a, a way to think about this market? I think that that is the goal that NFT teams ought to have. Whether they actually do that or not, uh, I don't know. Um, but that is, in my mind, why do NFT teams, centralized coordinated teams exist? it's to increase the ETH denominated value of the NFTs that they represent. Uh, and I think this bear market 2023 is going to be the time where teams get really scrappy and innovative to encourage 
an appreciation of NFTs in Ether terms. That's what we're all trying to do, increase, uh, increase our value increase in ETH terms, yeah. and denominate ETH terms. Uh, okay, regulation, David, what do you no, think is going to No, regulation happen? comes after CFI. I don't really have anything uh, to say, so I'm just going to stop sharing screen, and we're just going to talk about CFI really quick. Uh, because the CFI landscape uh, is being stressed right now. Coinbase, as of today, announced that they are doing a, uh, a round of layoffs just because it's crypto winter. Another 20%. Another 20%. Kraken did a round of layoffs. Uh, Gemini did a big round of layoffs. Uh, and so, it's, I mean, layoff seasons, I would say it's not behind us because uh, we've already done it all. Uh, but, uh, I mean, FTX really soured, soured everything as it relates to centralized entities. Like no one wants to touch it. No one wants to like hear the word CFI these days. Uh, so I just kind of want to get your perspective as like in moving into 2023, what's the state of CFI and how do you think that's going to play out for the next year? I think one thing that's true is um, um, we can't throw out the baby with the bathwater, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, you know, crypto is just, just is so... Um, they're just like a pendulum. They go to extremes on one side or yeah. the other. And so it was, uh, centralized exchanges can do no wrong. Put all your money in these centralized exchanges. <laughs> centralized lending, it's glorious, amazing. Why use, why use the blockchain? Have FTX? <laughs> like why blockchain? Yes, all of these things. Let, let the centralized entities use the blockchains. You just use the centralized entities. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, and so we swung from that side of the pendulum to this other side, which is uh -huh. a little unhealthy in that we're like, oh, all centralized exchanges right. are bad and evil and we don't need any of them right. ever yeah. and i hate them and the reality is there are some good actors in the centralized exchange um, space and i think the vast majority of bad actors have actually been washed out at this point so the ones that survive and there might be still some some bad eggs in the bunch but the ones that have survived are largely the ones that have done things right and mm -hmm. uh have begun with a long-term uh perspective so I think that's um, that's important context to this, but um, I think it'll be a long time before we trust centralized CFI lending providers yeah. again. I mean, Celsius, BlockFi, Voyager, uh, even Terra Luna to some extent. I know that, you know, like had the Anchor Protocol. Just these yields coming from nowhere. It'll be a long time till we trust those things again, and I think that's a good thing. So this means more in the DeFi space. Um, there's also, David, we've got a lot of things to just tie off from 2022. So FTX is not completely resolved. That's in bankruptcy court. Uh, so is Celsius digital currency group. Remember it's right. like we ended last year and that's the last domino to fall. And it's still kind of wobbling. It's in this space of it hasn't quite fallen over yet. And it's still like up ish right. <laughs> and something's going to happen. It has the leaning to tower of DCG. Yeah. I just want that thing to be over. Right. Uh, even this morning, there was a kind of Winklevoss yep. uh, twins tweeting at Barry Silbert and calling for DCG, the parent company of, of Genesis to um, exit uh, Barry Silbert. Uh, it said, that, you know, he was unfit, I think was the letter from, from the Winklevosses at Gemini. And so $900 million dollars of um you know retail funds mm -hmm. stuck in genesis doesn't feel good so that all has to that all has to sort itself out too yeah. uh, i don't know what's what's your what's your take on the exchange world in 2023 i've got two two cfi takes uh one is that 2023 is going to be dominated by the court proceedings from washed out actors right we got ftx we got three hours capital we got celsius we're perhaps about to have dcg so like that's going to, what is the bankless weekly roll-up going to be? 
Like there's probably going to be a section in every single weekly roll up that's like here is the most An recent update on bankruptcies. Bankruptcy <laughs> update. That's going to be a huge CFI theme of 2023, which is just hooray. That's awesome. And I don't mean that in a serious way. Uh that's lame. Uh but that's just going to be the way that it is because like people have money in Gemini urn, people have money in Celsius. So like these updates are actually important and they're kind of going to define the crypto, the centralized crypto industry moving forward. My other update is that B and C tier centralized exchanges are going to struggle and be kind of severely tested. And I think we're seeing that play out with Huobi, who I would call a B or C tier centralized exchange. Uh and so like I think the call to action is, is like, you know, we, having centralized exchanges are going to be a part of the crypto world now and for forever. They're going to be around. We have to accept it. Uh, we should, if we are going to use centralized exchanges, probably should be using A tier centralized exchanges, not B or C tier. So if you are still having your money on a C tier centralized exchange in this day and age in crypto, don't. I, I don't. <laughs> don't use an A tier. You're clearly you're using a centralized exchange if you're going to continue to do that. Use an A tier one. Like, don't be on the the long tail of risk because that is a bad spot to be in a bear market or even any market for that matter. I, I it's it's hard on centralized exchanges because uh, we don't know everything about all of them. Mm -hmm. uh, the way I feel right now at this point is, if someone were to ping me on Telegram and just be like, "Hey, what centralized exchanges do you recommend? Do you trust?" Mm -hmm. Kraken mm -hmm. would be top of the list. Yep, and not because they're sponsors. We picked them as sponsors. Yes because they were on the top of our list right coinbase as well would be on the top of the list uh, take a big deep breath from there i don't really know <laughs> I, after I mean, that i just binance i hope i think yeah i don't know though yeah um i would I, bet my money that binance would be okay but it would be a gamble I feel that way. And yeah. again, it, it could totally not be, but that's part of the challenge with centralized exchanges is you don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's why proof of reserves is so important. It's, uh, all right. Ooh, so that's, that's, another, that's another big theme I think will be throughout 2023 is proof yeah. of reserves is going to get better. This is where regulators should demand this. If yeah. they want to do something helpful, just help right. demand proof of reserves and audits on liabilities. Yes. Uh, just raise the bar there. Thank it, you. We'd it's appreciate so that. simple. It's so simple. It's so freaking simple. Yeah. Clarity for security. <laughs> What's a security? And then just proof of reserves, please. Um, okay. What else we got, David? All right. Um, now moving into regulatory? the the regulatory conversation. Regulators. Speaking of regulators, here's our favorite guy. Oh, hey. <laughs> What's up, I Gary? Uh, so this was a, a an article written by Mike Selig, who I had uh, had on for a conversation, and he wrote this: 2023, the year of regulation versus decentralization. Uh, and he's basically saying uh, that the world of regulation is going to push and squeeze crypto. And as a result of that squeezing, crypto will become more decentralized. Now, I remember being very, very uh, into these conversations that almost felt exactly the same, Ryan, back in 2018, 2019. It's like, all right, ICOs just tainted the industry. The regulators are totally coming. What's going to happen? Uh, and it wrist was slaps is what happened. Wrist slaps. Well, some, some more than wrist slaps, but yeah. the ICO industry, uh, it was the ICO. It was an industry for a while did grind to a halt probably under its own wake, but also because everyone realized they were issuing an unregistered security. And so this is where people actually started to like step back from their own projects and become more quote unquote decentralized. Sure. And so this is the opinion of Mike uh, Selig. And I totally agree with him is that, 
in this year, the CFTC and the SEC are going to push the boundaries of their current existing authorities through novel enforcement actions. And that, as a result, is going to force crypto to become more decentralized in response to that, which is good. That's a good thing. Even though it's going to be rough, it's still a net out positive outcome. For me, the jury's still out on whether it's net positive or not, but I will give the benefit to this. Um, It's honestly, OFAC OFAC sanctions for Tinder to cash have been one of the best things to ever happen to Ethereum. From a decentralization standpoint, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And sorry, I I said that probably a little too hyperbolically. There Mm -hmm. have been a lot of great things to happen Mm -hmm. uh, for Ethereum, but I just mean one of the things that seemed... Uh, bad and very oppressive that has quickly turned into, I think, a victory um, right. for Ethereum, which is it's forced the Ethereum community to really focus on what censorship resistance means at the protocol layer uh, for block builders. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I think, I mean, we've, we said this in our earlier predictions, um, MEV censored blocks or, you know, uh, blocks with uh, ME with censorship have probably peaked if you have that chart up, but I think you and I both believe that. And there are a lot of censorship solutions, um, like on their way. Yeah. David's going to pull up a OFAC censorship. Oh, you don't have the chart, but, uh, yeah. What is that website? I can't remember what that website is. I can't is. remember either. It's MEV something. Um, MEV watch. Yeah. It might be MEV watch. Let's try that. MEV watch. Not, not, not .com. Oh God. This is something else. This looks cool though. I'll this looks like out. a Dune dashboards. Chat, will you uh, help us out? Anyway, it doesn't it doesn't doesn't matter. But like uh, anyway, that that that's an example of the thesis that this uh, CoinDesk opinion piece is is kind of playing out uh, in that way. Yeah, this is it. MEV Watch. It was for people uh, that are listening. www.mevwatch.info. Uh, yeah. And you know, this I think will go down over time. I think this is this is peaked. And we're going to get some not OFAC compliant blocks. And anyway, the Ethereum community has been educated on it and has uh, successfully defended against it. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be an improvement moving forward. So that's an example. And uh, one thing I want to point people to is I asked uh, Mike, what is the case to watch? What are cases to watch? And Uki Dow is the DAO that is being charged by the CFTC. It was going after a DAO, but then uh, a court ruled that you, they, CFTC should actually just serve the two founders, uh, the two founders of Okidao. Uh, and so this, really this court case really means is like, okay, what does this mean if a DAO violates CFTC regulation? What happens as a result of that? Uh, and this case is still ongoing, but it, because you can't really charge a DAO, uh, they are instead going after the two founders of the DAO who have a bunch of the governance tokens. How this court case falls, however this lands, is going to be important for other DAOs and other founders of... I hope this lands the right way. This could yeah. go very bad, in my opinion. I don't know what Mike thinks about that, if you talked mm-hmm. about that on the episode, but I'm worried about this case, David. Yeah, um, but the, the the take that we gave, that we talked about, is decentralization theater versus actual meaningful decentralization. And that was the point that he really wanted to hammer home on. It's just like, well, if you have two founders and they just make a DAO, like, well, no, you need real decentralization, not fake decentralization. And so I know like in this crypto space, we don't really, we want to protect our DAOs, but we also want to protect 
are DAOs against grifters who are not appropriately using DAOs in the appropriate sense. And if that's what the CFTC comes and charges these two people with, is like, no, your DAO's not a real DAO. You two are just hiding behind the DAO mask. Like, we have to accept that as a crypto industry, I think. Fingers crossed. We'll see. Uh, the trust yeah. isn't there yet yeah. between uh, these two groups. So hopefully with, with some mutual education that... Uh, you know, regulators and, and crypto natives can, can find uh, good solutions and we get mm. sensible regulation. Um, all right. So ready for, for Bankless. We got? we got two, two things left. We got what Bankless has in store for 2023. Uh, and then also what David and Ryan are thematically bullish on for 2023, but we got some stuff planned in the Bankless world. Uh, and so I, I put out a tweet not too long ago is that the best prediction to make about 2023 is one that you're in control of. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so I'm bullish on Bankless going into 2023. Uh, Ryan, you want me to keep on elaborating? You want to take this? Yeah, no, you can, you, you can, you could talk about it, but um, maybe I'll tee you up for it. We're launching a new website, guys, mm -hmm. uh, for Bankless members, citizens of the Bankless Nation. That is going to be absolutely fantastic. I just, um, there's a, a cut of the beta right now in our inboxes, David, that we have to go test um you and i hope mm -hmm. we can find some time to do that and then we're going to open this beta to members of the bankless community and hopefully this comes out pretty soon yeah um you want to say more about that yeah uh i mean we have a chad designer and a chad website guy uh and they are doing absolutely just moving mountains to make a brand new bankless website and i really think it's it's a website that i think the crypto industry really deserves uh, it is a place that hosts much more than just these like podcasts and newsletters and, and articles that we're writing, uh, but just uh, it's a hub of all raw educational resources. Uh, if you are paying attention to the bankless world, you've noticed us producing these super refined, very short videos that are on a different YouTube channel. Uh, which we'll link in the show notes, uh, which you should, uh, should subscribe to. But we're also doing stuff like uh, I'm working on videos like what is decentralization? What is a blockchain? Like stuff like this. Uh, and so I'm trying, I'm hoping that we can make this the best, unequivocally the best place to send crypto curious people. Uh, and that is just, it's going to be the universal hub for people who are just starting their bankless journey, people who are very deep down the rabbit hole at 300 and 400 level content, uh, and like everything in between. Uh, and so that's what I'm bullish on is that it becomes the best hub to send a, uh, somebody who's new into crypto, who's wanting to get into it. We call this the bankless nation all the time, because that's the, the metaphor, the, the analogy that we're using for bankless. And, uh, it, I know, you know, this David, but, um, Bankless, the nation, is actually larger in population size than about 40 other established United Nations recognized countries. Damn. Okay? <laughs> um, talk about Balaji's network state idea. Uh, that's what we're slowly moving towards, right? With incremental, incremental progress. So population, quarter of a million. Mm -hmm. Now, how do we get to population a million? How do we get to population 5 million? How do we get to population 10 million? Um, that's what we're aimed at uh, mm -hmm. with, with Bankless and what we're trying to do here. Uh, another piece that's coming down the, the, the pipeline is uh, an NFT project. Um, Have we mentioned that on the podcast yet? I don't know, but um, I'm not going to mention any more detail than that because there'll be some things that we want to showcase. Mm -hmm. um, but think of this as kind of a... The idea of a bankless passport, what would that mean? Instantiated in NFT form. That's what we're working on. Um, and again, the idea of the, the network state, I think, is uh, burned into Very our apt, minds. Yeah. 
We also, um, you guys remember last quarter, we brought on um, Dawson Botsford uh, as our CTO from a, a fantastic tool that we just love using called Earnify. And so Bankless Labs is where that lives. We're going to uh, double down on our efforts to produce tools for the Bankless Nation mm -hmm. as well, starting with Earnify, which is an airdrop finder, uh, ha has helped find people $150 million yeah. in opportunities. We talk about net good, public, public good for uh, crypto natives and crypto travelers. Uh, that's what we're trying to do. And then of course, you and I, David, I think we've uh, dedicated 2023 to kind of get back to some of the core basics. Right. 2022 was such a frenetic, busy year. We're all over the place, just trying to keep up with various things. Now we have a chance to kind of breathe and get back to some of the uh, the basics content, it, bringing it from the archive, freshing it up, mm -hmm. and in uh, talking about it in uh, in new terms. So we're going to revisit some of the OG educational theses that we've had from Bankless uh, from day one. So. I think it's going to be a tremendously bullish year for um, what we're doing in the bankless movement. And I'm super excited about that. Not to mention everything that the bankless DAO is pulling off, which I just can't even uh, keep up with. It's, uh, it's so much going on over there. Yeah. There, um, it's hard to like give transparency to what's going on in the back end, just because like we have this discord server. Uh, we have like the bankless team in there. The bankless team's large. Uh, and I don't think a lot, I don't think many people realize how, how much hiring we've done in the last like two quarters or so we have like 17 people that show up to the monday meetings uh what are they all doing stuff we are i'm super stoked to be able to present to you guys soon tm uh we we've gone from like something like seven or eight people uh, at the start of 2022 to where we are now with something like 17 people uh going into 2023 uh and everyone's just been heads down working and i think a lot of that stuff is going to come to fruition pretty damn soon here uh ryan's already teased out a little bit but uh yeah i'm pretty bullish you don't have to be sorry for bankless ever dude <laughs> all right what are you bullish on though tell me if you had to pick one thing mm -hmm. in crypto for 2023 one theme that you're most excited about most bullish on yeah what's one theme that you point to uh i want to point in everyone to the concept of and project sign in with ethereum mm. uh this is something that uh Technically, doesn't have a price tag associated with it, uh, but it is still something I'm, I'm bullish on. Uh, and it's something that I think is also going to be very, very helpful with uh, putting Ethereum on the map when it comes to mainstream adoption. Because this is something that I think everyone can really get behind, which is like, you know, sign in with Facebook, sign in with Google, sign in with your Web2 overlord, or sign in with your private keys, which you minted yourself and you control and you uh, operate your own identity. And I think especially as society is getting more and more fed up with the Web2 world, I think the sign in with Ethereum movement, which is we are just at the very, very like tip of the iceberg on this thing, uh, is going to see a lot of mainstream adoption because people are Ryan are getting exposed to NFTs via Instagram, NFTs via Twitter and uh, NFTs via Reddit. So like parts and corners of the Web2 internet, big corners, not like Instagram, it's not, it's not a tiny little corner. They're already getting exposed to Ethereum. And so we're finding, and, and, it's, and also, you know, being able to log into a website without having to email and password and other identities, I think is going to be a big catalyst for just people accepting Ethereum into their lives. <laughs> it's honestly it solves a massive problem here and mm -hmm. you know i'm gonna i'm gonna plus one your bull case for sign in with ethereum it's all, actually there's a vitalik tweet too it's mm -hmm. uh turns out he's also bullish 
on sign in with Ethereum. Uh, what's this tweet that we're looking at? Yeah, so this is Matt Huang from uh, Paradigm who's asking Vitalik, what is his definition of a good crypto future? Uh, and Vitalik just gives a list, you know, fixed scaling, fixed privacy, fixed UX, UX of course, uh, user accounts more secure for average users and centralized services. That might be a nod to account abstraction, uh, payments and store value plus a DeFi provide value to many people. That sounds like uh, banking the unbanked. Crypto social takes off and then identity plus sign in with Ethereum succeed. And so the cool thing is, is like sign in with Ethereum. It isn't just you have a private key and you authenticate your identity to a, a website via signing with your private key. It's, it starts there and that's already a huge order of improvement in terms of user privacy and user sovereignty on the internet. But as identity layers and identity tooling and whatever it means to create identity, which is already a nebulous definition, uh, as that becomes greater, Signing in with Ethereum becomes more useful as there's more, uh, as there's a higher fidelity relationship between your Ethereum address and your identity because of the POAPs you collected or the attestations that you have or the things that you have done that your website that you're logging into is interested interested in. Your Ethereum address can represent more and more about you that you control that you have total like access over. And so it's kind of like when DeFi grows, Ether becomes more useful. As Ethereum identity grows, sign in with Ethereum also becomes more useful. Uh, and so that is something to be bullish on. Yeah, imagine kind of the narrative coming out of this, like ETH gives you, you know, an Ethereum address gives you a way to sign into any application across the internet in a decentralized way, right? And ETH is kind of a, um, an investment in a global identity management system. I even think some of these narratives, if they come to fruition, can turn into like bull cases that we don't really talk about. We talk mm. about ETH as money, but what about ETH as identity? Mm. Um, that's a super interesting thing to think about. But the reality is identity is broken, isn't it? In Web 2, it's broken. Um, just like the Twitter bot problem. Like, uh, wow, what a it's a failure of identity yeah. or identity systems. Yeah. And it, it's even like... Um, we're talking about um, wins for mainstream people who aren't into kind of the the money, um, you know, number go up type use cases. Well, identity is also a national security problem. How do I know what's a a, a Russian bot or right. a, you know an evil nation state actor that's trying to kind of prey upon my population if I don't have proof of identity, if I don't have proof of humanity? Um, and I'm just thinking about how utterly uh, how utterly lacking nation state identities actually are it's for this. pretty embarrassing, yeah. No, I know. We were just talking about this in, in one of our um, debriefs for an episode we just did, which is I recently opened up some exchange accounts and uh, used a selfie, of mm -hmm. course. This is how you validate your, 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 uh, who you are who you say you are, uh, authenticate it. And um, uh, it was you know a selfie of myself and then my driver's license. Basically, three JPEGs, right? Mm -hmm. A JPEG of me and a selfie, uh, a JPEG of the front of my driver's license, a JPEG in the back. And they just, they live on my computer somewhere. Why? Because I do this so often. Right. All someone has to have is those three JPEGs. And, they and then Ryan. they know my social security number, which is publicly available, basically. Yeah. Uh, and they know my birthday. And then they can authenticate themselves on in a banking application. Like, that is your state-of-the-art security. Nation-state security sucks right yeah, now. That's pretty bad. Uh, and bad. for this to be a solution to that, well, just sign in. You have a private key. Um, private keys really are a superpower for the for the twenty first century, and unleashing that for uh, 
um, for identity is kind of a really bullish uh, use case. I don't know if all of this happens in uh, 2023 though, David. I feel like 2023 will just be the start of that Yeah, at, at some take. level. And it'll take a, a few years for that f to fully play out. But I'm yeah. also bullish on this. Well, we are recording with the sign-in with Ethereum team tomorrow. Uh, and so we are going to turn this uh, theory into a full-length podcast. So uh, we'll have more material on that soon. There you go, guys. Well, that has been uh, 10 predictions for 2023. We're excited about uh, going into this year. Um, I'll end with our typical risks and disclaimers. Of course. Gotta let you know that all of crypto is risky. So is ETH, so is Bitcoin. You could definitely lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.